Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Welcome to Mac and Blue. I'm Robert Johnson, Vice President of Business Development with Tory Contracting. He is not. He is J.J. Levinsky, president of Blue Wave General Contracting. What's shaking? Well, I got the memo to bring out the shirts again, but you didn't. So, Mr. Professional. Um, slacker. No. I'm the slacker. But we have which two, we'll talk about two in a Speaking of, two <laughs> no, no, not speaking of <laughs> slackers. No, no, Mr. Professional. Our esteemed colleagues and guests today. <laughs> wow. That was a solid shot right off the bat. No, before we kicked under the table right now, before we do that. And then we have Daryl, the man behind the glass where there is no glass, our producer. Yes, sir. Thank you for being here. Mike's on, ready to go. Got his uh, blue, whatever. Blue light. Blue haze, blue something. Yeah. You're looking good, though. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) There's like an intellectual look to it. It is very intellectual. Professor, Professor oh, Daryl, Doctor Daryl. So, so, what does that mean when I don't have them on? You're still the Darryl. opposite. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> no shame. <laughs> and then we have our guests. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. You okay? Okay. I just didn't know we were going to fight over it or what. But we have Caesar Martinez, who is the owner of uh, Martinez Safety Services. Go figure. Thank you. He reached hard for that company name, didn't you? Yes, that was, that <laughs> like, was a hard no, name to come. That one won't work. No. Yep. So, um, welcome. Uh, thanks for being here. And we have Nat Carroll, who is the VP of Services with Insure Compliance LLC. Yes, it sounds a lot more important than it is because it's a family-run company. So, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for being here. Glad to have you both. You moved your hand about something. Did I forget something? No. You like did like you were going to say something. No. Shank him or something. He likes um, my hat. Talk That's with, what he was going to say. I talk with my hands. You do talk with your hands. I'll tell you about that later. My daughter picked up on it in one of those past. Says he, you do your hands like this. Did you know this? No. You put your hands and hover them over the table. When you do it today, we'll like call that? you out on it. No, otherwise, yeah, I'm together. Whatever. But, yeah, no big deal. Okay, that's the program. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and Daryl looked at me like, this is bizarre. The intro to safety and the outro to safety. <laughs> <laughs> there, what else can be said, folks? So thanks for being here. Let's start with you, Caesar. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've been doing, what brought you to what you're doing today. Okay. Well, well, thanks for having me. This is, uh, I've been to a few bo- podcasts, but this is, this is a cool setup. This is cool. <laughs> I like it. Thank you. So, yeah, I, I uh, owner and operator of Martinez Safety Services. Really, really had a hard time coming up with that name, like yeah. you said. But, yeah. uh, I've been in been in the business uh, for a couple of years now, but I've been a, a safety professional for 28 years. Oh, wow. Pretty broad background. I started my career in the high-tech industry back in 94, worked in heavy industrial, power plant building all across the country. It, been, in, in just construction, or were you safety right in, uh, to start with? Yeah, I've been I've been in safety all my career. Okay, mm, okay. yeah, I, I've done some labor work. I've sure. done, I had some, I put some work in physical work as well. So I'm I'm not a safety guy behind the desk type of guy. I actually had <laughs> had my boots get dirty and my hands blistered and get cut too. So, okay. uh, but yeah, so I've been doing it for 28 years. Like I said, heavy industrial power plant builders, and my last 18 years I was with a couple of general contractors as director of safety for uh, Balfour Beatty for Northern yeah. California. Yeah. And then my last 10 years, I was with a company here in Arizona called Aiken Gardner Construction. Oh, never real. heard of them. No, no, <laughs> a small, small little company. Director <laughs> director of safety and risk management for them. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I decided that, you know, I, I think I can spread the safety love all over the valley. And I decided to start my own my own business, you know, and here I am today. So Very neat. How about you, Nat? Yeah, a uh, family business. Tell us a little bit more about that. Sounds good. So I started. So I started lawn care and landscaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was my first business. That's what I started with. So 
out in the field, learning not to kill yourself, pushing a lawnmower and everything else. Be safe. Yeah, be safe okay. while you're doing okay. that. Yep, I see uh, the segue. Yeah, exactly. But my family's in insurance. Okay. So insurance sales and everything else. And I worked with my father and 11 years ago, we started insure compliance. Um, so it's insure compliance. We started off working with companies to help lower insurance costs or safe practices, trainings, inspections, and all of those fun things. And then it just grew from there. And so about I would say eight years ago, we really started hitting the compliance side and we are now, there's 12 of us. And then we have two people full-time in different sites in Casa Grande. We've created a program and a method that Wayne, my partner actually went and presented our method at the kingdom of Bahrain in 2015 at a huge oil conference. Wow. Wow. So we take this method and this is how we work with companies to increase their safety cultures. And how do you two know each other? We do. And, and is it it's something like this? How did you folks meet? Just through the industry, really. Okay. I mean, you know, there's a, there is a lot of... Uh, do you talk smack about each other? No, <laughs> no. And that's what I was just going to say. There, there, is a lot of, uh, there is a lot of consulting companies, right? And uh, I think just like any other general contractor, we want to make sure that we work together instead of trying to fight against each other. And I sure. think uh, the conversation with Nat and I, we started, uh, I think, a couple of years ago where he... I'm, I'm bilingual. They provide Spanish training. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and I, I, like I said, I'm bilingual, and and uh, he reached out to me. You're bilingual. He's bilingual. Well. As well. I'm bilingual as well. But yeah. he reached out to me. We just started talking about putting together some safety trainings together, and we developed a relationship from there. And and there's been times where he's called me and said, "Hey, I need you to help me out with a an OSHA 10 class for me." And I say, "Okay." And then there's been some times where I had uh, sent some information over to him and helped him out. So that's how we kind of get to know each other. Very neat. Industry. Very neat. It is a small world. It, it is. It uh, is. Yeah, especially in this construction business. Are you bilingual by chance? No, <laughs> no, I, I am. I speak English and Oki. I don't know if you know what Oki is. It's, I was going to have some smart, yeah. smart yeah. Alec yeah. comment, but yeah. no, I, I know Spanglish, but that's about okay. it. Okay. Not not the conversational Spanish. The Spanish uh, going to get them in trouble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> construction. Exactly. Construction. Uh, no, construction Spanish. Oh, construction. Yeah, yeah construction okay. Spanish. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, I level. Yeah. Okay, okay, so Nat, I want to start with you because I think the... No offense, Caesar, but we're going to go down more traditional. We can go back and forth and split this conversation up. For the audience's sake, peel that back the the way you described, like, what you do. So tell me who, or tell the audience, like, who are your customers and then how do you bridge the insurance and the safety side together? Because you gave a great intro, but go a little deeper now. Like, give us a, without mentioning names, give us a classic example of how you met and developed a client base and then took it from there you know, to expand on the safety stuff and then how that impacted their bottom line, something to that effect. Yeah, perfect. So there's two ways we work with clients. The first is we act as the safety manager. We create the policies, we do the inspections, we do trainings, and then we develop accountability programs. And we've developed this based off of OSHA's enforcement law, where if you do everything right, if the employees get caught doing something wrong, then it's employee negligence at that time if you've created the safety program well. And we took that a step further on the accountability program. And when we come in and act as a safety manager, as a third party, we work with the underwriter to show them everything that we've done to prevent them from having accidents. So we'll show them this is the trainings that we've done. These are the inspections that we've done. And this is the regular accountability programs that we've developed to make sure that the employees follow through on safety. And that's where we find the biggest I guess you can say bang for their buck when they're working with insurance companies. And so we've saved anywhere from $10,000 to $20,000 just based off of us working with the underwriter on their, on just getting discounts from the beginning. And we've saved upwards of $200,000 by reducing EMOD costs by their scores and everything else. And so that's uh, on a high level, that's one way we work with customers. And then on a smaller level, we do trainings and inspections as needed. So if you have a fantastic safety person in-house, we can come in and identify what insurance wants to see because that's the majority of our background and then supplement the culture with what insurance needs and then still work with the underwriter and support them that way. And so those are the main two ways we, we work on that. Generally between 50 and 100 employees is the majority of my clients that hire me to be their safety manager. And then the rest, it can be anywhere. I mean, some of my clients, we do a lot of, tribal work. So a lot of Native American tribes, we work on, on their councils and everything else. And they have upwards of five to 6,000 employees sometimes. Mm. And so we we're very good at identifying the problems and working with the insurance carrier to communicate the process that we're doing. 
Do you get a lot of referrals from the insurance companies themselves then? We do. Yeah. Lots of referrals from insurance companies as well as some referrals from, from the risk managers right. from insurance companies as well. And then, uh, Caesar, back to you then. The, the predominant client of yours is more the general contractor right now? Yeah. Most of my clients that I work with are general contractors. We offer the same service, not at that at that level yet, but we're a consultant company too. So mm-hmm. there, right. there are companies that hire me on to help them develop their safety program, do in-house training, safety leadership. There's a kinds of other aspects that will help them, again, uh, protect their bottom dollar, right? Make sure people go home safely and at the end of the day be productive and be profitable in their business. Right. So that's that's what I do as well. And most of my in, my clients that I do work with are construction general contractors. I have a couple interior con- uh, contractors mm-hmm. and a couple of specialty contractors that do specialty work for like big IT company that do their data centers all over the country and things like that. So you're not just local. No, I, I am local, but there's been some work that has come out of gotcha. uh, out of this. So um, I'm working with a company in Alabama as well. That's a manufacturing facility mm-hmm. that, that builds um, safety glass for automobiles. And so I go out there and I, I'm really doing more of a compliance type audit mm-hmm. and then helping them with the leadership of their, of their, they have a safety manager on site and they have a couple of coordinators. So what I'm doing is I'm doing like a, a, a mock OSHA audit, compliance audit, and then we're doing some leadership, uh, um, you know, goals after, once we do that audit. And, uh, so I've been going out there to Alabama once, once a week, uh, one time a month. Wow. And Caesar, I mean, not to put you on the spot, but I know a little bit about your background. It's not just safety. You're you're a big leadership advocate as well, and yes, I know you take great pride in that. So, tell a little story, like what got you into that, and what you know, what's your passion behind that? You know, I think passion really is the the engaging and the interaction between people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of young people that are coming up that get put into certain roles as leaders, mm-hmm. um, but really don't have that leadership quality yet in them. Mm-hmm. So for me, I know I was brought up with a mentor, right? I was brought up and I have still have a few mentors myself. It's and wisdom. I, it's wisdom, right? And I have a couple younger guys that are in the industry that are safety that I also mentor, mm-hmm. right? So, and for me, I, I grew up, I grew up in the, in, in the hood, right? I grew up in San Jose, California. Uh, when I was starting my career in safety, the man that was my boss, his name's Ed Lloyd, and he was a very, uh, very good leader. And he actually took me under his wings and, and showed me how to be a leader, how to communicate properly, interact with everybody of all different levels, and, mm-hmm. and know how to talk to people, not talk through them, through, through yeah. them right? And so one of the things that he told me, and, and this is why I think I do it, is one of the things that he told me was, like, you're going to be in a position one day where you, I said, well, why, why are you doing this with me? Why are you taking, he's like, well, because I see something in you. And I know that you're going to be in a position one day where you can pass that knowledge and that experience through people. And then obviously, you know, just through the experience in life, you know, you've had uh, some bosses that weren't really good. You had bosses that were really, really good. And you have, you know, everything in between. So for me, I think uh, uh, to be effective, you have to have a good foundation of leadership. You got a good, a good foundation of knowing who and how to talk to people and things like that. So for me, I think that was the biggest things that, I, that I'm trying to teach, not only as, as in safety, but also safety leadership. Because if you're a good safety leadership, I mean, if you're a safety good safety leader, people are not just going to listen and say, oh, here comes a safety guy. Oh, man, he's here to, he's here to check the box or here here's to give me a ticket. They're going to be comfortable enough where— <laughs> you, Everyone's slashing you in yeah, that tires. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you're a safety leader— Reminds me of like Roadhouse where Patrick Swayze exactly. goes and gets the cheap car. Right, right. So that's, that's the thing, you know. Um, Robert the double, du- the double deuce. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, Robert yeah. almost didn't let us in because we're the safety guys. Yeah, so. yeah. exactly. That's, exactly. And, that, and that's the stigma between behind the safety pro- Okay, so— you I get think, that. You really do get that. A yeah, lot, we don't do. You? We do. We do. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's okay. You're like a leper, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's okay. you know, get away. And that's the whole thing. When you have that engagement, you have that trust between the guys that you know that you're more of a resource than the safety cop, and that's where it changes the whole communication, the whole interaction. It just changes it completely. They know you're out there for the best interest. You're not out there, you know. And for me, I've had guys were like, "Dude, you're, it's okay. It's yeah. fine." So putting you on the spot, yeah, because you guys both do training, but on that, you know, you do it. All day, every other week, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, mm-hmm. the, the frequency. How do you keep it fresh? And how do you bring that leadership to all these different construction sites and construction boardrooms and things like that? Like, what do you find is the key to relate to people? I, I, well, every class is going to be different. Really, it's not just about going and teaching because we can't really do nothing about the presentations. But what we can do is is depend on the audience, right? Right. Depends on who I'm 
talking with and who am I training for, then you can, you, I can liven it up a little bit. I can really, it depends on, on the audience and the feel that I get, you know, and, and still have that message to go through. And I may throw a couple jokes here and there and interact with the guys. Uh-huh. There's some people that are maybe, they don't want to be in that class. They just don't want to be there. And you can feel it. You can see it. Oh, it so. is so funny that you say, I've been in a <laughs> yeah. lot of those safety, you know, meeting stuff. And it's like, when you're going, everybody's like, oh man, you know, yeah. oh, I'd rather be, you know. So, you know, for me, I think to keep it entertaining and to keep it engaging, I'm the safety guy. I'm supposed to be training this class and I can be, well, one time, let me tell you, and then, then you know, they're, they're going to say, yeah, whatever guy. Right. Yeah. You probably never, you never swung a hammer before in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Or whatever. So a lot of times what I do is really get them engaged. So, okay, I know we're going to do some training. I may not know everything, but I do some know some stuff here. You guys have a lot of experience. You guys may have an experience that you want to share when we're talking about this topic. So they're engaging. Now they're like, okay, I want to be part of it. And some people like to be put on the spotlight. Sure, so um, sure. so they, they, yeah. they get involved, and that's how and, – and a lot of times when I do my trainings uh, after I'm done, they're like, man, this, is, this was a pretty good class. I've never – you know, I've been through this class a couple times. I never – Then we have that. our guests. Oh. Anyways, so yeah. <laughs> So that's it. That's it. That was he was like, oh, okay. I don't know who said that. But so yeah, that's how, that's how we keep that it was entertaining. The go- that was the know? ghost of Robert coming in. Yeah. 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 That's how we keep it fresh, really, just yeah. knowing the audience that we're going to be t- training to. Matt, how, same thing with you? Very similar. And that's one of the reasons why we worked with Caesar is because he's engaging. So anytime we hire a new trainer, I mean, it's almost like they have to entertain. If you want an in-house safety person, they don't have to be entertaining. You're hiring me to be entertaining. And so humor is a massive part of it, engaging. Well, at least and- we brought you two guys on today. That's good. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, we didn't need to be here. I'm not, tell- I'm not telling jokes all day, but it, it's in- it's inter- entertaining. I'm not, I don't paint my face as a clown or nothing like that. It's very serious and very professional, too, though. Caesar does sing and tap dance, though. That's yeah. how he keeps them engaged. Only if I wear my tutu. You got George Lopez and Fluffy over here. Yeah. Let's get into this. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about one just to kind of launch this off. I know I'm just going to go, you know how it is. Yeah. We just kind of go off topic. Ball. So superintendent on a job, 67th Avenue and a, a major street that runs East and West. Yeah. I don't mean, I don't want to like totally get out there, but I'm walking around guys are framing. Okay. And, uh, it's a small drive through establishment that serves hot beverages. We're getting closer. Right across the street from the Home Depot. Oh, getting even closer. Mm-hmm. I'm standing out, and I, I just happened to to turn, and I looked. I, I'd, I'd gone out. There were some guys working close to, to the street and looking for a water pipe or something, you know. And I'm standing there, and I happened to glance up, and I saw a couple of the framers up on the top. They're setting trusses. You know where I'm about to go. They're setting trusses. They weren't tied off. So I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, I need to go around over there. So I started to turn around and, and leave and walk back. I had to go 100 yards around the fence. When I turned, there's a guy standing on the sidewalk across the street with a camera. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. Steps back over the wall, gets in his vehicle, and drives off. It was about, I don't know, 30 minutes later that a real nice little white vehicle pulls up two individuals that get out and identify themselves as being with OSHA and hand me the photo that they had printed on a printer in their vehicle. Did you know that? I said, oh man, yeah, not not only did I see it, I also saw the guy taking the picture and they were like, they thought I was going to be angry at them. And I'm like, you know, no, 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 it's okay. I saw it happen. I, I saw it was walking around to go tell him and drove up. So, um, yeah, I got to experience it firsthand. And, and the, the, the ants, I mean, it was like when they drove up, I turned and looked and every person on the job was picking stuff up, covering up holes, uh, you name it. And, um, we happened to have two really good folks from OSHA and, and walked through the site found a freight electrical cord, actually had a discussion with the guys. The guys had fall protection, didn't have it on it's in their vehicles. They said, show me. So they, you know, here it is. Do you know how to put it on? You know how to use it? Went through the whole thing and walked them through the entire thing that show me that you know how to do it. Get up. I want you to warm. And uh, it was a very light find. 
um, could have been, and they explained to me, could have been much, much worse. That was a good one. However, I've been told since, this is where I was wanting to go with all this, don't speak to them at all. Don't talk to OSHA at all. Just tell them, wait, I have a safety consultant or my safety person will take care of this interaction with OSHA. Well, technically, you can do that. You that's can. what I thought. Yes, I mean, you, I know that. That's... If, if it's in your written policy mm-hmm. that you have, if there's going to be an OSHA inspector or an OSHA audit on site, you have the authority to say, you know what, let me get a hold of my safety. You can't rep. walk. They can't walk they, they the can't, site. They can't, can't say, do me, anything. You can't hang out in the trailer. Let me get a hold of my safety rep or safety manager, whoever it is. And you have up to like 30 or 45 minutes before someone shows up before they start walking on the site. Interesting. So that is part of, if it's within your policies and your procedures, that's, that's good. Well, but wait they, a second. So you can't make it part of your policy and procedure that day. No. You have to be able to yes. prove that you have it in a written safety plan, yes, that sir. that's your policy. Yes, Interesting. And, and a lot of times though, the inspectors don't just walk out to the job site. No, this one they, stopped they, me. Yes. Didn't even attempt to go on the site. They're, they're so busy. They, they've got enough they, to they, do. They, that. they will stop at the job site trailer. And it gives you some to get in contact with all your other subs that are on site. Maybe, hey, OSHA just showed up, send your foreman mm-hmm. out here. Yep. So then everybody gathers up at that trailer. And then that's when they do the opening statement. We showed up because the guys was up on the top and we didn't feel it was tied off. And then they proceed with their inspections. But gotcha. that's kind of how it should happen. But, yeah, you, you can't tell them, hey, wait here till our my rep shows up. Interesting. Yeah. Now, if, from what I've seen, though, that I mean, that's the best policy. It protects you. I mean, from, from OSHA being there. But if you do what you did, there's a lot more goodwill created from the beginning. They explained that to me. And they said, instead of trying to hide and getting freaky and acting all thing, you were like, yeah, I saw it. I knew it. But yeah, yeah they weren't tied off. I agree. And then they were complete. They completely changed their whole tack. Right. Yeah. And because, I mean, in the end, OSHA wants to talk to the guys they want it to be open so they can teach you. Now, if they come back again and things are still the same, Correct. it's going to be a different story. But at the beginning, OSHA really is trying to create goodwill. And in Arizona, if you are working to create goodwill, they'll create goodwill back. That's not the same in every state, though. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not saying that that's to avoid. That, that's yeah. not That's not. The, no, I, the, I, I was just giving that. You were addressing my question yes, because that's. I, I completely agree. OSHA does show up. And like I've had an OSHA inspector come up to our job site uh, when I worked for my, my previous company. It's the same situation. They were across the street drinking a cup of coffee. And, and there are certain trigger areas that they don't, that the excavation work, for example, if we're doing excavation work and they see something there, they're going to stop by. Right. Just because of that activity. Anything that has to do with falls are going to stop by because of that, of that activity, high risk activity. Sure. Right. And so anyways, they were doing some work across the street from that, from that Starbucks, downtown Phoenix. And uh, the inspectors walked out. We had an excavation that was about four feet. They had a ladder. They asked who's the competent person. They asked a, po- a couple of questions and they said, all right, cool. We're going to take some pictures and we're on our way out. And that was it. So they were very engaging. They asked the guys a couple of questions. Again, do we need to get a hold of our safety guy? No, but if you have his name, we'll just contact him. Let him know we stopped by. Here's our card. Everything's good. That's what they do. So if you're, you're out there and they know that you're trying, even if we weren't perfect, um, they, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to get all crazy on you. All right. Uh, let's pause real quick for a word from one of our sponsors. Tory Contracting your full-service Division 9 contractor. Tory Contracting operates with a smaller, hands-on team. This cohesive structure results in superior workmanship and economical solutions. We deliver projects with unsurpassed commitment to quality and stewardship of budget. Tory Contracting, small enough to listen, big enough to deliver. So, Nat, you brought up a good point, and I think a lot of people don't realize kind of how Arizona is a little bit of a one-off compared to a lot of other states. So if you can start and Caesar, you can jump in. Uh, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about how federal OSHA versus ADOSH is different. Can you go in and explain what that is? And then most recently, correct me if I'm wrong, but we're kind of at, are we still at this impasse between OSHA and ADOSH right now? It's still still out. Okay. So give, give the background of what that all means and then kind of where, you guys, from your your seat and your perspective, see how Arizona is going to move forward. So go ahead. Okay. So 
1971, federal OSHA was started, and states had the option to start their own program at least meeting the federal guidelines. Yes, to at least meet it. At least meet, and then the federal government would fund the state-run program. Okay. And so we're at an impasse due to a couple things. The biggest one is the, the COVID. The COVID issue, everything else, Arizona said, we're not doing that. We're not following the federal guidelines. Thank you. Have a nice day. And the federal government came in and said, that's not okay. Here's a couple more complaints we have. And so right now they're trying to overturn the ADOSH program. What that would mean is we would still have ADOSH, but federal, the federal government would now have jurisdiction as well. So it would be whoever gets to the job site first gets to do the inspection. I mean, what that means is federal government minimum fine is about $3,000. Okay. Whereas ADOSH is a lot more understanding, especially for smaller businesses. They, they work with you. They make it happen a little bit more. Where I see it going, they're still trying to work this all out. Um, Jesse Atencio, great man, director of ADOSH, has been very stressed trying to figure out this problem. So he's been working on it nonstop, just making sure we keep and protect our programs. And so we have seen... OSHA become a little more strict in Arizona just to try to fulfill the federal guidelines. I see it becoming just slightly more strict to follow the culture, but also get federal OSHA off of our back. And we have some of the largest job sites in the world in Arizona. Right. So just naturally. No, now, I, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. That, I, I continue, I've heard that just the first time, you know, here. I, I'm stunned by that. <laughs> I, I said that somebody they're like, you got to be kidding me. And the whole, I'm like, yeah. Well, you have Intel, TSMC, yep. and everything else. TSMC, and when, you know, people, it doesn't do it justice driving down the freeway. No. And look, you know, people are like, mm, I don't see something big about it. But <laughs> 30, a, 32 cranes on one chance. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's an you just astounding. look at the skylight and all yes. the, I mean, that's a $5 billion investment just right now. Who knows what it's going to be when they actually finish the project. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I did mean to interrupt okay. you. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, great. Keep, keep going. Keep yeah. going. And so with that, with all these large companies, they're bringing a very strict form of safety with them. For example, Lucid Motors on that site, every time you hit 25 people, you have to have a, you have to have a full-time safety person on site as long as you have that number of people. And then at 50, you have to have another one and it keeps going from there. And so we're seeing that the safety in Arizona is starting to pick up and that the fines are starting to pick up. So an ADOSH fine for fatality was about $7,000 on average, which that's well below the national standard. And so you're starting to see it increase. And I still think that Arizona will be a very business-friendly place. Things will just be a little more strict so that we can kind of equalize where we have been and where the rest of the country is as well. Because we work with Washington, California. I have clients in North Carolina as well as, I mean, we work with a lot of different companies specifically because they know their state laws better than I know their state laws. Washington and California seem to go back and forth trying to beat each other with who's stricter. And they it's just crazy for me. I believe you were in Indiana. Is that where, where did you come from? For Minnesota. Minnesota. And we were very strict. Minnesota's a very strict one. And so Arizona has kind of been like a Wild West state but for a long time. What happened there, and you know, we've talked to, you guys can go down this, is... So in d different parts of the country, you have a much more predominant union base than you do here. So, you know, I laughed at when I came here to the desert Southwest, we had, I was like, what's this ABA? You know, because <laughs> we either had AGC representing the, the union and ABC representing the non-union. And we still all got along, but you were never at the same thing. And so what you did is we typically, because we had both, we were always in both organizations. And then we both went through their proactive safety pro programs so that we could, we, the, like the Sharps program and all those partnerships with, this was back in Minnesota. So when I came here and saw that there was, you know, what, 10 years ago, no offense, but when I first got <laughs> here, there wasn't much of a safety program here at all, culturally in the, in the Valley. So you came the first time federal OSHA threatened to take over ADOSH. <laughs> yeah. That was, that right. was with residential. Yeah. That was the residential. residential. Well, so the boom. Program. But yeah. you know, like you working for a multinational like Bell for Beatty or, you know, even the, the, the local presence with Aiken Gardner. My point is this, is that even though it felt very strict in Minnesota and kind of Wisconsin too, there was there was a proactive safety uh, ideology and, and culture and attitude. In other words, no one cared. People cared less about the fines than they did about being proactive with whom they were, which is what you're advocating for now. And that's why I wanted to peel this onion back a little bit because we're not out to say that federal OSHA is bad. We're just saying that for the business-friendly environment that we're all in here we want to be safe but we want to do it in a proactive collegial you know amicable way and that is 
I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say we need to protect ADOSH because they're going to do a better job long-term than Washington's going to do. Their oversight, they don't care about us here. I agree. Yeah. And, and ADOSH invests a lot more in their consulting division than other states too. They, they really push that. And that's, that's why I bring Caesar in on so many clients too. I mean, what, two, three, maybe. So not a lot yet, but Caesar understands that we work with OSHA, but we still make sure business can happen. Right. And that's the key. It's, Make sure that you're protecting people. My first mentor, uh, VP of safety for Saudi Arabia Ramco, he's this 4'10 Indian man, hilarious, in the room with OSHA would say, I don't care about OSHA. My job is to protect people to get them home at nights every day. Yep. And that's what it is. And that's, that's why we do what we do. Yes, we need to fulfill guidelines, everything else. But in the end of the day, Caesar and I are the ones that are called when there's a fatality right. or when there's a bad action or an amputation. Yes. It's, hey, this just happened what do we do? And so Caesar and I have to deal with those type of things. And so it really is about getting people home at the end of the day. You're, you're, you, yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea behind uh, having a, a really proactive safety program. Don't wait for something to happen and then react. If we have a, a proactive program, again, and remember that the, the, the OSHA guidelines, they're, they're just the minimum. If we are doing a little bit more than that, we're three, four steps ahead of, of the, of the curve already, whether if it's federal or whether, whether it's state, it doesn't matter. I mean, if we're as a company, if we're investing some time in our people and we're investing some time in safety, we're, we're already ahead of the game. Yeah. Whatever happens. It doesn't our our matter. nature is so uh, human nature is so lazy doing stretching drills before work. And you know, all the little things that you do, uh, you know, as part of safety and I've talked about how the attitude is, you have to go to one of these and it's always that way until an accident happens. And then it, it's a completely different story. You know, I could tell you that that stretch and flex, and a lot of people are like, oh man, why do we have to do that? But when I worked for Aiken Gardner, uh, we had a lot of like soft tissue injuries mm-hmm. and soft tish- tissue injuries cost a lot of money in, in the oh. insurance. Oh, yeah. They're there. You know, you go through therapy, you have to, and it's just, just a little tweak of your muscle that you got to stretch it out and nice it. Anyways, we did started. Did you guys hire a yoga instructor to get the stretch and flex We actually started going? doing stretch and flex. We did not hire a. a, a I want to see you in a leotard. <laughs> it, it was me. It was me. But anyways, we did it. And, and I, 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 man, the, the, the claims on soft tissue injuries were reduced like by 50% after the first year. And then I don't think we've had any like soft tissue injuries after that program started. When I left, I mean, at least. By the way, yeah. Caesar's doing uh, go- what is it? The hot yoga with goats. That's his <laughs> yoga other, with goats. That's his other revenue stream. I don't know about hot yoga with goats, but yoga with goats is it pays yeah, pretty probably. good. It makes a good money. Yeah, best part is you know. Yeah, shoot, where was I going with this? I don't I know, know, but I, I was, I'm scared of where you no, were going. I've just I've, I, the cool part is, for the record, Caesar works with our company, and our our staff loves him because he's engaging, and you know, and you know, I know Nat, you know, a lot of our people too, but, and. So that's why having the both of you on today, having two different perspectives was so pivotal, I think, for us to to kind of go down the safety thing. Daryl, you got a question, my friend? I have a question. Yeah, so you're speaking about safety, and I get, you know, safety of, you know, probably the only thing I can reference is tying off. I kind of understand that, like, you know, when you go up on a building, tie off, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you mean? Well, yeah. Okay. Fall so, protection. Right, fall protection. So what about driving what about vehicles like do you do stuff with that like is that important in a construction company that, that is part of the risk management com- uh, program It's part of the you know uh, a driver's driver safety program i mean a lot of risk a lot of companies have 200 vehicles on the road every single day huge risk public safety and it's a big deal it's a very big deal so poor safety professionals you have to do everything so not just safety and risk management but let's just take this room right here where you're sitting how you're sitting the glasses you're wearing ergonomics that's covered in safety. Um, if you look at schools, the slips, trips, and falls, everything else that they have to do, also ergonomics, lifting, and safety, everything else, safety applies to a whole host of things. And hospitals, there's HIPAA laws that they have to follow as well, but there's also the like, strict bloodborne pathogens guidelines that they have to find and everything else. So safety ranges from anything from the physical safety to health, and then it also is now starting to turn into mental health. So right now you have suicide and construction. Yeah. So suicide and construction, there's three to four deaths on average for workplace incidents. There's about 11 to 12 suicide deaths on average in the construction industry alone. And so that's thrown on. astounding. It is astounding. And that's usually a safety person's job to figure out how to deal with that. And this is worldwide, not just. No, that's just the United States. United States. That's United States statistic. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's crazy when you they and that's the whole thing about a safety professional. They they oh, you tell people put on their hard hat, you tell people put on a safety glasses. That's like so down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so much more. There's so much stuff behind the scenes that people don't realize what safety professionals and consulting companies do. You know, I mean, I, I've got a call last week where, where they say, hey, uh, do you can you do a uh, a security threat audit for our facility with all this gun workplace violence and yeah. all this stuff yeah. like that? They asked for that. I'm like, well, I've never done that, but you know, I might send that one over to my <laughs> friend over here. But you know, they that's that's part of safety. You know, what I mean, uh, and, and there's so much behind it that people don't realize unless you're in the industry. Like, well, even workman's comp. You know, someone gets hurt. Something as simple as having a return to work program where you can manage the claim, you're gonna save a lot of money for your company. And the guys are gonna feel psychologically, the guys feel better because you're taking care of them. Right. They go back to work. Right. And you know, uh, they don't want they, they don't want to be home at the end of the day. They want to be at work. So you, you know, know, you've got the bad eggs. Well, there's a lot of fraudulent workman's comp claims. However, I seem to remember there being much more when I was younger, since I'm a hundred, that you know puts me 132. Yeah, exactly. Wow, you look, I thought you were 99. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. yeah, I'm you looking look great, good. Robert, yeah. I'm looking good. But that's not as big a deal, I don't think, as it used to be. I mean, it happens, but right now we're seeing it increase because everybody's scared of the recession, and so we're seeing a lot. Lots of the safety professionals I work with right now, and lots of my clients. I can think of three of my clients right now that have a fraudulent claim right now just because they're scared of work not coming down in a couple of weeks. So they're How starting to okay, set, I see set it. that up. Yeah. But you're right. I haven't had to deal with it for years. I, every so often. Every right. so yeah, often you'd see it come up. Yeah. But in the last couple of months, now that we're talking about recession, I'm seeing it come down a lot more. People are seeing it as maybe a way to uh, continue income. Exactly. Yeah. They're saying they, they think if they can get that soft tissue injury and make it last for a year, yeah. that they're going to get paid for a year at least. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Don't yeah, get me don't, started on yeah. that one. Okay. Let's, let's take a more, <laughs> let's take a more proactive spin on your industry because Robert and I do this with a lot of our other guests, you know, on the building Arizona platform that, that is why we started this, this podcast. And that is this. We keep talking, almost every guest we have on, we talk about the lack of human capital, you know, how we have less and less qualified trades, training, all those kind of things. So first question is, is you guys are not immune to that either. So how are you helping all of us in the industry overcome that one from a safety perspective? And then I think it dovetails into part two, which is at the end of the day, the insurance companies are controlling a lot of this, you know, at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars at risk you know, on their balance sheet and then what they have to pay out, there has to be a more proactive way that they're looking at it. And I think uh, my question to you is, are they using more data and modeling? And, you know, I was looking at your ring earlier, uh, Caesar, and thinking about, you know, uh, what do you call them? The, you know, the electro people now, you know, everyone wants their privacy, but yet at the same token, there's a lot that can come out of the data of if, if you know, like a digital twin, we talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm that if you have the data, you can then forecast a lot of risk management type stuff. I know that got kind of deep in two areas, but what do you see that that human capital and the lack of human capital and high risk and the technology from your, both of your perspectives, what, what do you see coming and what are, what are companies asking you to do to bridge those two? Well, Chime in either well, one. For, for me, I think the, the, you know, I think everywhere it's really hard to get good quality work and people to come in and, and perform. One of the things I think for the construction industry that we we probably lacked on a little bit more is promoting it, promoting it a little bit more so we can have the younger generations because the generational carpenter's gone. Like, it is. The, my grandfather was a carpenter, my dad. They, they want to get into IT and they want to get into something else now. And and that's, that's okay. But another thing too, that when you talk about IT and you talk about technology, well, in the next few years, and it's already here, technology and construction, it, it's there. So, I mean, just because they wanted to get into technology now, they can st still get into the construction yeah. sector of it, right? So I think we need to, I think as an industry ourselves, we need to start promoting it a little bit more. Maybe we need to start doing some at the high schools. They have career first. And mm -hmm. not every kid wants to go to college. Not every kid can afford it. Right. And not every kid wants to sit down another two or three years in school. Right. And if they have a, a good foundation and they have a good background, they want to go to work, hey, let's get them in a con construction trade and get them back up so we can have quality people that can work and work their way up to become leaders within our industry. That's that's huge. So I think for me, one of the things that I'm trying to do is, is exactly that, is working with the, the younger you know, the younger professionals that I'm working with, there's 
there's one guy that I worked with, and he was a a laborer, and then he worked uh, with an asphalt company, and now he's a, a safety uh, coordinator, safety engineer. Sure. So that's show him we, another path. Yeah, show him another path. You don't path. necessarily have to work with your hands, yeah. and you can. I mean, you, that's yeah. where the good foundation. You start right there, but there's a way to go up. So I think for us, if we can just like get promoted a little bit more, maybe have like a career fairs, and we do. There's a construction career day that they have every year. I don't know how much uh, uh, participation from companies are there, but I know they have it at ASU career days right. that, that uh, talks about construction and things like that. So, so before you jump into that, oh, real quick, let me jump in. We need to take a break. We'll be right back. Okay. It gives you a few more minutes to think about your, <laughs> thank you. There comes a time when dreams become a reality. When you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, we aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from, and we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. You guys have awesome commercials, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> I may need to talk to your marketer real quick. <laughs> so the two the two organizations that I work closely with, because Caesar nailed it, the younger generation has been told by their parents that construction is unsafe, that it's not a solid place. Mm -hmm. And so they are trying to avoid it just because that's what their teachers and parents are telling them. And so Arizona Construction Career Days, that's coming up in, in the next month or so, that one is, it's very well attended. There's thousands of students that come from all over the country and they have, not country, the, the state, and they have a lot of large GCs that do fun things with them. So some of them get to operate a backhoe mm -hmm. and they get to see what it's like to weld a little bit. They do, they have these fun activities to show them that construction can be a fun activity. It can be a fun career. And they also show them how much money they can make. And so if you think of it, you go to school in four years, depending on where you go, that could be anywhere to fifty dollars to $150,000 of debt, if not more. You start off in the construction field, no debt. In the next four or six years, depending on where you are, you're making almost the same amount. And so it's a very, it's a very great place. Also, Build Your Future Arizona. That one is also supporting getting schools involved in this. So there's, there's a couple really strong organizations that are trying to make that happen. We have, because of the way that we run the business, we have safety consultants. It's hard to find them. And so we use a lot of subcontractors because we're, we're in the same, we're in the same boat. We can't find them. So we, we have Amazing. to find, we have to find ways to make it happen. So that, that's for me, that's the one way that we can really make it happen is teaching the next generation. And so with the technology, what can be done and what's being done? So insurance companies love technology. All of the workers' comp review meetings that I go to, they have charts, they have numbers, they have everything else, and they focus on interesting things like, hey, it took you two days to report this accident. Why? Not why did the accident happen? It's why did it take two days to report this accident? So insurance companies have a happy balance and a happy medium. If you have a lot of accidents, you're going to be paying more money. And so there's not a whole lot of reason for them to not want that to happen, depending on the carrier itself. Um, lots of carriers, though, they do have an active risk management team. And so they'll use that information that they have at those worker comp meetings and say, here's the number, here's the number of accidents we're happening. Here's how we're trying to do it. But I think there's room for more technology in the safety field. I think there's way that there's ways that we can make it so it's easier to use, easier to have trainings happen, easier to communicate everything that's going on. Scott Taggart is working on some really cool technology things. I think you and I went golfing with Scott once, JJ. He's, I, been, it was, he's been a guest on here. He's been. We he's, all know Scott. Okay, yeah. I was laughable golfing, so I think JJ will always remember that golfing experience. But it's it's there, there's technology needs to be more active in the construction safety arena. That's just my opinion. There's there's a couple there's a few good software programs out there that are based for construction safety where you can actually have. You know, it's it's a paperless management type of system for for safety, and you can actually do on-site inspections, and they're they come up right away and they're recorded. You can you know you can 
you can set it up where you can have all your workers and all their trainings and dates that, that are coming up for renewal. It'll pop up, pop up on their system. So it's a lot easier to be proactive and waiting instead of waiting that, oh, this guy hasn't been trained yet. When, are, when we're going to get him on there. So when we do that, that, that software program helps with the management of that side. And there's a lot of other programs like that, but we do need some more. We do need some more. Very good. What else? What have we not talked to you about or will we not ask you that you want our listeners to hear? That's a really great, that's a really great question. Give me one second. That's to a think JJ about question. That. I, yeah, I just JJ. stole it from JJ. He usually does it. And I just thought, <laughs> no, I'm getting it first. Well, whoever, whoever asks that, that's a really great question. It's a tough one. I mean, because you now a lot of people we've, we've covered such weird stuff that nobody, you know, we, there were things that you wanted to talk about that came immediately to your mind, but you know, we've covered a lot of stuff here. JJ, you have anything else? Well, just more granular. I think, you know, you guys both brought it up. The bilingual thing is a big deal with, you know, such a large percentage of our workforce being Hispanic. Um, if you discount that, you've already lost half the battle. Um, I know Caesar, we, we put an emphasis on it in our company with you as, as, as our consultant, you know, that and focusing on what I call the high risk ones, you know, falls, trenches, you know, the, the same things that OSHA looks for we should all be looking for because those are the things that it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the, the analytics and go, you know, we, it's all important, but the things that are going to prevent someone from coming back to work or, or coming back to their family, that's what should be focused on. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how you guys feel well, about that, but how do I say it? You, you know, if you're given a dollar, how do you slice and dice it to make sure you get the most effectiveness out of that dollar? Well, you know, when, when we're talking about safety, the guys that work construction safety, the, the, you know, their primary language is Spanish. I mean, they could have a, a, a short conversation. They're not going to have a, a in-depth, detailed conversation. And I think that's when we're talking about safety and we're talking about training. I think that it should be in in that native tongue where they understand it completely by oh, someone that has that background that can yeah. engage and give them the right information. The large percentage of uh, Latinos that, the large percentage of, of fatalities in a day across the United States are, are Latino workers. So, you know, and a lot of it has to do with the lack of understanding or, or, or you know, communication, things like that. A lot of it has to do with cultural background too. I mean, my, the, the Latino culture is very much about, I'm going to respect what my boss says. And my boss tells me to get up there and get it done. I'm going to get up there and get it done. I have seen that. I'm not going to stop yeah. and say, well, can I get a, my harness? Can I, they're going to jump up there and they're going to get it done and one, two, three is done. What else you want me to do, right? And put right. themselves at risk. And it's not that they don't care about safety. It's just the, our culture. That's the way we're brought up and we're going to do what my boss says and whatever. So right now I'm working with a company called Need to Say. Need to Say is a, a Spanish translation company that's going to help uh, the construction mm -hmm. industry. It's an app. It's an app where they can actually, uh, the non-speaking foreman can communicate with the Spanish-speaking worker and give them the exact information that they we're trying to give to them so they can understand and not get into an incident. Because a lot of times uh, the information can be lost in translation. You can give this guy a lot of technical information and he only will capture 60 or 70% of it. And then right. 30% might be, you know, the, the, most, the most, yeah. most crucial part of it. Yeah. So I think that's huge in the industry. I think not just here, but all over the country, a lot of Spanish speakers and, and we need to make sure that we're providing that information and that training to them. So. Yeah, we, we have four Spanish speakers on my team and, and the next couple hires are slated to be Spanish speakers as well because if you look at the statistics, we've had less fatalities, but there's more fatalities among the Latino yes. workers. Hmm. And so it's it's very important that that happens, that we're all on the same page focusing on that. One of the things that it, it, larger general contractors, especially what you both are doing, is safety is increasing among what you believe needs to happen, but lots of the smaller GCs still aren't on the same page. And so there's a lot of these smaller GCs where the super himself is walking around in shorts and flip-flops and mm -hmm. OSHA shows up and he's the first to run away because uh, of what's going on. And so I think there still needs to be a bigger push from the leaders in construction, the general contractors about what safety is and what needs to happen because there's a lot that just let it slide because it's not important enough yet. And OSHA's not hitting them with big enough fines yet. And we don't want OSHA to have to hit them with big right. enough you fines. Know, you know what I think would be like, you know, when you're starting off your construction business, you got to have a contractor license. 
part of that contractor's license, I believe, they should have a foundation of safety. The basic requirements as an owner that you have to have this and you have to do this and you have to do whatever it is, just the foundation of safety. And what happens is if you really think about safety and a company that's starting, if you invest in safety, once the company's starting, you're already starting a foundation of a, a culture. Of you're safety. building. That's yeah. great. That's what you're, I was going to say. You're, you're building, building that culture. You're building yep. it instead of trying to catch up, and you're now you're being reactive. So if the business owners that are starting a company, they're tr- starting framing. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big elaborate safety program, but they should have something in place, part of their contract license. Something should be safety on on that side of it, right? And I don't know if there is or there isn't, but there isn't. But I agree. I think that should definitely happen. That would make it so much nicer. JJ would like it. <laughs> no, but Robert's I get it. still on the fence. He doesn't yeah. know if he wants that yet. Yeah, <laughs> but I see what you're talking about. If you start from the beginning, you build a culture of safety, and then you hire that guy on that's worked someplace that hasn't had it. Yeah. The instant he comes on your and joins one of your crews or comes on, he's going to be jumped on by the guys. Oh, exactly. no, hey, you get that hard hat on. And nope, 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 nope. Get off, get off. You got people policing each other instead of waiting for somebody else to, to come down on them. Yeah, it's wisdom. Yeah, yeah, I mean, safety is safety is good business, and I'm not saying it because I'm a no. I want business. I'm. It's just it is. It's an investment. I mean, it, it's at the end of the day. I mean, you're saving people's lives. People's life. You're saving money. You're saving production. You're saving a lot of things that go with safety. So it's yeah, it's very I important. I agree. Anything else from you, JJ? Okay. How do how do people get a hold of you if they have questions or they want to talk to you about what you do? Let's start with you, Nat. So email is is awesome. My website is great, and my phone number. Those are great ways to get a hold of me. Do I need to say them right now? No, but how about a website? <laughs> website www.insurecompliance.net. Okay, that's what we. I insure with an I, not an E. So I N S U R E. And you're on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. Nat Carroll. Yep. Two R's, two L's. Yep. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Caesar Martinez. I'm on. There's only one or two Caesar Martinez on LinkedIn. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know well, from looking. You know, you find like the Bob good, Johnson. Find, yeah, find yeah. the good looking one. That's me. Yeah. Um, uh, my Instagram at Martinez Safety Services, uh, www.martinezsafetyservices.com. That's pretty much it. So. Awesome. Man, it's been great having you both on. Yeah, thanks for being complimentary and yeah. giving different angles. And- yeah, it's been it's been fun. We liked it when we really kind of, I mean, we should have started it like when you walked in the door and we'd have got some good stuff, but. You know, it's okay. We got the good stuff. It's good. Uh, anything else from you? No, Daryl. Daryl, it's on you. Take us out of here. All right, here we go. You've been listening to the Mac and Blue Show, brought to you by Tory Contracting and Blue Wave General Contracting. Be sure to subscribe to the Mac and Blue Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levinsky on LinkedIn and Instagram. And tune in live every Monday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world. But it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.